In the last chapter of his earthly life, King David got to be a part of an incredible, extraordinary event. He joined with his people, the people of his nation, his kingdom, in giving out of his possessions, and together they gave enough so that a great temple for the worship and honor of Almighty God could be built. Uh, He wouldn't be around, as we see the story unfold, and I think David knew this well. He would not be around to see it built. Uh, That that was going to be the task for his son Solomon. But David still recognized the infinite value uh, of, of knowing and wholeheartedly obeying God. To, uh, to do something and to have something accomplished that was so much greater than himself. And his prayer at the end of this time of gathering all these resources together before the temple is built, and, and just near the end of David's life, his prayer regarding this is recorded in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, beginning at verse 10. I, I want you to, to look at it with me. It says, it says this, Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. O Lord, and this is your kingdom. And we adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. O our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give only what you first gave us. We are only here for a moment, visitors and strangers in the land, as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. O Lord our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. And you know I have done all this with good motives, and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. O Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make your people always want to obey you and see to it that their love for you never changes. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands and laws and decrees and to do everything necessary to build this temple for which I have made these preparations. And then David said to the whole assembly, Give praise to the Lord your God. And the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and they bowed low and knelt before the Lord and King. This is a, an awesome prayer and an awesome, uh, amazing events surrounding it. That David prayed. Now there have been a lot of spectacular, incredible things in his life. But he'd come now and to the end of his, end of his life and he was seeing this thing happen before him that, that he'd only dreamed of and prayed for and hoped for. And in this prayer, I think there's some real key elements 
that should impact every one of us in our life today and how we live and especially how we view God. The first is just right off the bat in this prayer, there's a recognition. There's this simple recognition that's found in verse 29 where he says, Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, and this is your kingdom. Just right up front, David is, is making this statement. God is the source of all things. He's the source of all blessings. He is the creator and the giver of all life. And he was, and he is today, and he always will be that. That's the recognition he made. I'm asking us today, do we recognize that? Do you recognize that truth? And then in David's prayer, there's this, there's this acknowledgement. It's an, an important acknowledgement in this prayer that, that relates to every one of us. Here's, this, here's the acknowledgement. Earthly kingdoms and lives are pressing but passing. Earthly kingdoms and our lives are, are pressing but passing. Like, well, uh, what does that mean? <laughs> What does that mean, Pastor Jeffrey? What, what's that poetic sentence mean to me this morning? What, what are you saying? Well, it's, it's just simply this, and, and I acknowledge this. There's a lot going on in your life. There's, there's a lot going on in, in, in this life, your life. And, and it's accurate to say, it's accurate to say that much of it is really important. If we'd made a list of important things this morning, things that we could call pressing on us, they're important. Our family's important. True? Your, your, your job's important. Your, your friends are important. Your, your bills are important. The celebrations that you, that you look forward to and that, that you have together with family and friends, I think those are important. The, the dinners that, that uh, you're going to have. I've been on a different diet this week, and I am so looking forward to Sunday lunch because this is the day to break it. It's just going to happen. And that's really important to me right now. School's important. No parents said amen. <laughs> Evidently, not that important. School's important. Uh, church is important. It really is. The Texans beating the Patriots today. That's... That's important. It's pressing. Evidently, it's the most important thing on this list. All that stuff, all that stuff matters. It does. It matters. But everything there, it's temporary. It's temporary. David said it. He said it this way, our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. And, and the translation, the New Living Translation that I read to you from this morning, he describes us as visitors and strangers in the land. Uh, some translations say resident aliens. Others would say pilgrims. 
Most of us don't really have a, a grasp of exactly what that language is talking about. What do you mean I'm a stranger and a visitor in this land? I'm no alien. I'm, I'm not a pilgrim. Is any, I'm, I'm so old. Whenever I hear the word pilgrim, I just think John Wayne. Does anybody else go there at all? Okay. Okay. Paul David Tripp is a, an author who, who states that the Bible says that the impermanence of life on earth, the temporary aspect of life on earth, is, is like dwelling in tents. And the people of Israel were often living in tents, temporary shelters, temporary places, moving from one place to another. And his thought is that most of us don't really have that kind of experience. And so in his mind, in his experience, the, the closest thing that, that he'd experienced to that kind of a journey was when he went on a real primitive camping experience. And his conclusion was this. He said, I am persuaded that the whole purpose of camping is to make a person long for home. He said, on my first day in the woods, we were putting up the tent, and it was exciting. But three days later, the tent has unexplained odors that you just can't imagine. And he said, at first, you love the taste of food cooked over an open flame. But three days later, you're tired of gathering the, the wood, and you're irritated by how fast it burns. At first, you were excited about the prospect of catching your dinner from the stream running past your campsite, which you had been told was just teeming with trout. But all you have are snagged lines at the roots of the trees on the bottom of the stream. And now four days into it, your back hurts. There seems to be little wood left to forage, and you're tired of keeping the fire going anyway. And you look into what was once an ice and food-filled cooler, to see the family-sized steaks you have reserved floating in, in a gray and oozing pool of blood-stained water. And suddenly, you begin to think, so fondly of home, and why doesn't anybody say, let's go home? <laughs> Our world is a, uh, is a very beautiful place but it's also a very broken place. And our experience here, our lives here, are meant to prepare us and make us long for another home. That's what David said in his prayer. That's the acknowledgement that he made. Earthly life, it's important, but it's temporary. But David did speak a great deal in this prayer to me about the blessing, the blessing of God. And the, the greatest blessing that, that comes out of this is the fact that the God who owns and possesses everything gives so freely to everyone. The God who has all things is so free to give of those things to everybody. To recognize the blessing that everything good comes from God. And to even recognize this, acknowledge this, that there is good even in what we often experience as trying, difficult, 
painful. And that the, the goodest thing in life, maybe you'll remember it better if I say goodest instead of best, the goodest thing in life is the presence of God. That's the greatest blessing. And when we embrace that, when we bear hug that, when we take hold of that and live in that and live a life of gratitude for the incredible blessings that come from the God who possesses everything and gives to us, when we live in that kind of gratitude, then generosity, which is the very character of God, can come flowing out of us. Because we're beginning to see, beginning to understand God's nature and God's plans and God's purposes and who we are and how we fit into that. And it comes with the first recognition that it all belongs to God. And, and listen, we need to think this morning that I'm just, I'm just not up here speaking to you metaphorically. I'm just not speaking to you figuratively or in the abstract i'm saying to us today we need to recognize that we owe our actual physical and spiritual well-being to god's generosity to say and recognize i'm here today by the grace of god i wonder if 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 there's anybody that would affirm that with me and just say that I am here today by the grace of God. God gives us his grace by grace. That is, you know, you you can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't negotiate for it. It's not like earthly stuff. You don't earn it, buy it, negotiate for it. You just open up to it and discover it. The grace of God. The presence of God. That's a blessing. There's a lot of hope in this prayer. There's a lot of hope for us. David prayed with hope in his heart. And if you look back on David's life, there's a lot of There's a lot of junk there. There's a lot of mess there. It's major, I mean, it's major junk and mess. He'd been through a lot. Great highs. Parades in his honor. Greatest titles and the most power that you could have in in the place that he lived. Deep lows. The loss and rebellion of sons. The, the recognition of, of his own sin and failure and what that cost so many people and the break it caused in his relationship with God. But here he is at the end of his life filled with hope, filled with, with a deep hope. And he said it came from a wholehearted devotion to God. And there's a recognition in his prayer that that there's a that wholehearted devotion and worship leads to joy. Verse 17 says it this way: I know, my God, that you examine our hearts. 
and rejoice when you find integrity there. And you know I have done all this with good motives, and I've watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. They were given out of all they had with joy. Not out of coercion, not out of, not out of guilt, but out of joy. David was saying, when your heart is turned to God fully, the response is real joy. And that joy gets put into action. There's a term out that's used a lot and has been for years, and, and it seems that sometimes we kind of live in a world of virtual reality. And, and virtual reality is applied to lots of different things. Games, TV shows, all sorts of different experiences. And the world seems to be even drifting to the point of saying that really everything's kind of virtual reality. And I think maybe that thought pattern even gets into to the church at times. And what begins to happen is we start tending to value the, the circumstantial experiences that make us happy more than we value a relationship with the God of joy. That sounded real preacher-like, didn't it? It sounds like, you know, like I listen, listen to myself say that, and I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know if I can put it into words that will bring it home to you or not. I, I, it's, I just know this. In my life, whenever I attempt to manipulate God for selfish reasons... When my focus on God is, is all about, God, what are you going to do for me? Are you going to provide this? Are you going to fix this? Are you going to change this? Are you going to make so-and-so do this? And I base my relationship with him on whether or not those circumstances get changed. I've just discovered that so often, even if I get what I want... It's not enough. But when I seek God with my whole heart, eventually there's something that's very, very deep and real. Here's something I think David realized also. The king is anointed, but the throne belongs to God. Translation, your life matters. My life matters. But God matters most. And everything, everything is best when we live in that truth. Your life matters. It really does. 
Very, it's very important. Most of the stuff that's important to you is important. But God matters most. And everything, absolutely everything, is best if we live in that. Anybody else, uh, um, well, not anybody else, but are any of you just slightly curious as to why there's a bunch of Skittles on, on this table this morning? Any of you like Skittles? Hmm? <laughs> Come to life. Nice. I've got lots of them up here. Lots of Skittles. You know, a few years from now, uh, I'm looking forward to going to, say, a movie or uh, maybe better, better yet, a ball game with my granddaughter, Ava. A few years down the road, and I anticipate when we're there, her asking something like, PJ, can I have some money to, uh, to go and buy some candy? And I'm, I'm not that big of a candy guy myself. I, I like a little bit now and then, but, but I'm pretty confident I'll say, sure. I know if she could form that sentence today, I'd take out my wallet. And I'm pretty sure that's going to be the case down, down the road, and so I'll hand her over a $5 bill or whatever and say, Go and buy some candy, and she'll come back to our seat, and she'll have this bag full of Skittles. And I'll sit there and, and watch that beautiful little girl eat those Skittles, and they'll look maybe kind of good to me, because once in a while I do like a little, a little candy, and, and I'll say, Ava, can, can I have some Skittles? And I can just imagine her going, nope. <laughs> Which I'll say, well, maybe just a couple? And she'll look at me and say, they're mine. You know, in that scenario, and some of you have been in that almost exact same scenario with your children or, or grandchildren. In that scenario, what, what my precious granddaughter doesn't understand are, are, are a few things. Number one, she's done really acknowledging the fact that I was the one who bought the Skittles for her. Number two, she may not at that moment realize my strength. If I wanted to, I could forcibly remove the Skittles from her hand and take all of them I wanted to. I mean, I could physically do that. If I, if I wanted to, I could do that. Number three, she... She probably wouldn't totally grasp the, the concept that, that if I wanted to, I could walk down to the concession stand and I could uh, pull out my credit card and I could buy whatever, whatever was in my account. I could buy 300 packages of Skittles and I could just rain down so many Skittles on her she couldn't, she couldn't eat them in a whole year. point of that little scenario is this. We all have Skittles. Some of us have what would probably be considered a pretty large container here of Skittles. Just want you to know that none of these have been, have been in my mouth. A few right here on top have been touched 
by me. The rest have all just been poured in from bags, fresh from, fresh from the store. And for the right price, some of these Skittles will be available <laughs> after service. Some of us have pretty, pretty large container of Skittles. Some of us more kind of in the medium category. Some of us would say, well, I don't really have too much. Just, just a small amount. And there's probably a few of us that at least this morning feel like, I, I don't have any Skittles. Would, would anybody actually like some this morning? Anybody? I, I mean, honestly, seriously, you'd like some Skittles? You would? There, there's several. I, I don't know how far these will... These will go. There's, let me, I better get down here. You, want, you guys want some? Oh, yes. That's, man, you just take, just pull them out of there, buddy. I love boldness. We need more of that in the church. Take another. Take another, absolutely. Yeah, two hands, two hands, two hands. Want some Skittles. Anybody? 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 Uh-oh. Let's go. I'm sorry, Nita. I'm sorry. Send them to Michigan for the grandkids. Look at, look at Lyman wanting that. Oh. You love them? You love them? Anybody? The last one? There you go, Marla. Please. There are at least 24 people, tw well, 23, because my one young friend got two that can say they didn't, they can't leave here and say they didn't get something out of the sermon. No matter what the amount of Skittles we have, our, our, our God, our gracious, all-powerful, almighty, creator, redeemer God, comes to us and says, would you give me some Skittles? Just, just a few Skittles? What do you think our reaction is? Often it's, well, they're mine. They're my Skittles. I made those Skittles. I own those Skittles. And like a little child selfishly holding on to candy, we forget that God is the one who gave them to us. They're his skittles. And in an instant, if he wanted to, he could take them all away. He certainly got the power to do that. And also, when he wants to, when it fits into his purposes, he could dump so many Skittles down on us that we would never, ever know what to do, how we could ever consume them all. He could make it rain. My hope and prayer for myself 
and for you and for us is that we would live in the truth that it all belongs to God. There is an ancient uh, church confession used in different denominations um, over the over the centuries that's based out of the prayer that David prayed in 1 Chronicles 29. It's, it's this confession. Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. I think it would be good for us today, and maybe a few times more in the coming weeks, as we think about what belongs to God and what belongs to us, to confess this today together. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me and would you read this, state this confession in faith with me? Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. There's another way to confess this. A song based out of this scripture, based out of this confession. We've sung it a few times over the years. You sing it with me this morning. Do that. We have nothing to give that didn't first come from your hand. We have nothing to offer you which you did not provide. Every good, perfect gift comes from your kind and gracious heart. And all we do is give back to you what always has been yours. And Lord, we're breathing the breath that you gave us to breathe, to worship you, to worship you. recognize that day who has given to you that it should be paid back to him who has given to you as if you needed anything from you and through you and to come all things oh Lord and all we do is give back to what always has been yours. Live in it. Lord, we're breathing the breath that you gave us to breathe, to worship you, to worship 
back and sing the second verse in just a second. I want you to pay close attention to those words when we sing the second verse. And we're, uh, we're singing to God these words. The you in this is with a capital Y. Who is given to you? Have any of us got God in our debt? Does he owe us anything? I stand here today and say, he does not. But I have so much. I don't, I don't have God in, God in my obligation, but by his grace, the God who possesses everything gives freely even to somebody like me. And who is given to God as if he needed anything? You, do you think this morning that God can't make it without you and your stuff? He's going to accomplish his plans and purposes. But by the amazing grace of God, from him, through him, and to him, all things belong.